This podcast is brought to you by the Latin America Centre of Asia-Pacific Excellence in association with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. Colourful, passionate, proud, Latin America, an area of the world renowned more for soccer and samba than cash flow and commerce. But as a growing number of Kiwi companies are discovering, Latin America is also a great place to do business, bursting with opportunities for innovative New Zealand exporters and entrepreneurs willing to invest their time and talents to discover this vibrant region for themselves. We talked to five New Zealand companies currently exporting their goods and services to Latin America to find out about their experiences and how the area has proven a real game changer in their business success. Gary Stannard is a shareholder and director of Maxi Loader, a Hamilton-based provider of innovative stacking and space optimization solutions for the transport industry, now widely used for freight across New Zealand and increasingly in other countries around the world. So why LATAM? The scale of the market is, is just amazing. You think about somewhere like Peru and you think of it as a tourist destination, not much is happening, but there's over 30 million people. It's sophisticated and they've got a lot of companies there. So what we've found with um, actually getting into, the, into these markets that uh, all of a sudden the markets are opening up. They're, they're large, sophisticated companies that um, are ready for our products. And that's one of the things that we've been really surprised at is the uptake of technology there is fast. We feel that they've been left behind a wee bit, and when they see this modern, up-to-date technology in the market, they're really open to, to using it. So our strategy is to work in these Latin American companies, make a good impression, and then take the product via that local company into other countries. A good example is Mexico, where we have one customer that has 7,000 trucks. Just to put that in comparison, the largest customer in New Zealand has 400. So there you go, and this is one customer. So if we can crack one customer, but we're away, um, if, and then one will turn into one or two or three, and it'll be a different world for MaxiLoader. A different world indeed. But MaxiLoader aren't alone in making the most of their LATAM opportunity. Fingermark is a digital technology company based in Havelock North, having made their name creating the touchscreen ordering kiosks you find these days in fast food restaurants around the world. They're now branching out into safety technology for the mining industry too, with offices in India, Dubai, Australia, the US, and Brazil. Managing Director Luke Irving explains the attraction. The Brazilian market is ready for high-tech solutions because they have a, a huge middle class, um, which is you know, a, a massive consumer base. They've got industry which relies on innovation and efficiencies, and you know, for them to stay ahead of the world, uh, they, they need to adopt these technologies. The way New Zealand approaches uh, technology and their innovative spirit you know, is, a, is a great breeding ground for technology that's going to help a market such as Brazil. It is a huge economy um, and they are absolutely accepting of, of good quality technology and products. You know, they are a big consumer, a massive consumer base and proven to be able to, to build big industry. So it's, it's just, I suppose, it's one of those countries which, which sit outside the, um, the viewpoint of traditional New Zealand um, trade. And, and I think that's probably geographically, um, but, but you know, um, also I think it, it, because of its size, it can be deemed quite, um, quite daunting as well. A lack of local knowledge was one thing A Ward Limited didn't have to contend with. Now settled in Auckland, their CEO, George Chavez, is Mexican-born and bred, which gave them a distinct advantage when it came to selling their innovative container loading systems in his home country, as well as in Chile, 
Peru, Argentina and Brazil. There's a misunderstanding about the Latin American market. A lot of people believe that uh, since they are low-cost labor region, there are not opportunities for technology. Uh, in my experience, cost reduction is not the only thing that they are trying to achieve. When dealing with uh, Latin America, we should consider the fact that there are a lot of smart people running companies there with international experience, with uh, high education levels, and they are willing to listen about innovation and uh, process improvements. We've been very successful in the exporting companies in Latin America, especially in the uh, mining industry, as well as the coffee exporter and uh, the scrap metal exporters. That's because they are facing a lot of challenges in their changes in the demand, and they need to react very fast to these uh, changes, and our technology will help them to anticipate the capacity of their exporting process. Rascal and friends also found that an innovative approach was key for their LATAM aspirations. A phenomenally fast-growing diaper company based in Hamilton, they were surprised at just how much the Mexican market embraced their products in what until then had been a low-innovation sector. Chief Operating Officer Matthew Banfield and Global Marketing Manager Amelia Watson tell us more. So we manufacture nappies and and wipes in China under the Rascal and Friends brand and we sell to over 22 countries globally now. I think we saw a huge opportunity in LATAM. There's obviously a massive population there, as well as a need for a premium diaper product like ours. The market is so big, so it's very important to find your niche and your customer. We initially approached uh, retailers and buyers in Mexico just via LinkedIn and finding connections, but most of it is just cold calling and emailing, and then being persistent in terms of getting that meeting the niche we were looking for is kind of an opportunity to sell our premium diaper product at an affordable price to parents who are really looking for something that's better for their children, both in terms of quality of performance and how it feels on their skin. I think there's preconceptions around business being extremely difficult in Latam, and I think those preconceptions uh, shouldn't exist. The buyers that we met have been extremely friendly and open about uh, you know, being disruptive in their categories. They might be a little bit behind or slow in terms of uh, infrastructure and supply chain and things, which makes it a little bit difficult. But in terms of the, the front end, particularly around you know, buyers and, and being open to talking to Kiwis and looking at launching new products, I think they've been uh, very accommodating. That's all very well when you have a product to sell, but what about when you're a service-led business? QCONs are a world-class New Zealand audit company who develop quality assurance programs, predominantly for the food safety and animal welfare sectors. They chose Brazil as their beachhead in Latin America. Director of Farms and Technology Josh Wheeler explains why it was a no-brainer. The Brazilian dairy industry is huge. It's the fourth largest producer in the world. There's 25 million dairy cows. There's a population of 200 million people in Brazil and they're large consumers of dairy products. Ten years ago when we first looked at Brazil, I mean there was a lot of problems there at a farming level in terms of the quality of milk being supplied to the dairy companies and also the systems and uh, best practice systems that were on Brazilian dairy farms. And with over a million dairy farms, we saw a big opportunity for the work that we did in New Zealand in the past 10 years and how we could uh, replicate that in a, in a growing market and a market that needed our services. The dairy industry is similar. We're still harvesting milk from a cow, so those sorts of things are the same. They have different feeding regimes, but they're also trying to get into pasture-based and pasture feeding. So there's a lot of, uh, lot of things we can leverage out of New Zealand. 
but there's also things that are, are slightly different that you need to learn to understand their industry. Brazil's a big country and uh, you need to figure out who are the key shakers and movers. So um, we did that initially by going to trade shows and conferences to try and see who were the key people we had to build relationships with. So far, so good then for our five companies. And their initial playbooks would seem to reinforce the views of Arun Elias, Associate Dean, Wellington School of Business and Government, a man with considerable experience of Latin American business trends from his regular trips to the region via Education New Zealand. If I had to sum up Latin America in a phrase, I would call it friendly chaos. A lot of that is due to the sheer size. It's massive, both geographically and in terms of population. Thus, supply chain management is a challenge. Not always up to Kiwi standards, and with multiple stakeholders, there are bound to be conflict interest wherever you go. Which makes it all the more important for New Zealand businesses approaching the region to take a holistic view, do your research, understand your market there, and think long-term rather than quick wins. Because of the scale, Latin America is also ripe with opportunities. Such large and diverse countries make it easy to find untapped markets, especially as a smart, innovative New Zealand business. What I would say is don't try to do everything. Find your niche based on your strength and the opportunities available. Start small and grow from there. Sound advice. Another important aspect Arun stresses is the need to understand the culture when doing business in LATAM, a culture that can be very different to that of New Zealand, as George Chavez understands only too well. One of the main challenges that we've faced uh, when dealing with customers in Latin America is related to identify the right person, the decision maker. And the way we overcome this challenge is by uh, building relationships with uh, local, local partners that can be our eyes uh, in, in that region and help us identify these people. Building relationships is very important in Latin America. In our case, uh, we try to uh, give our customers a call often not to talk about business, but talk about uh, family and uh, other aspects of their lives. Something very interesting about Latin America is that they are very proud of their country, their traditions. So every time that I travel to a different country, I learned something about their traditions and uh, their culture. Luke Irving agrees. Local knowledge is, is important. The business of doing business is um, much broader than, than the transaction. Uh, so you, you, you kind of have to uh, build some trust and, and also some transparency in who you are. Um, and, you know, you, you're going to have to do a few barbecues and, and, and drink a few beers before you can sign the, sign the contract. <laughs> They're great people and, and, and great fun. Gary Stannard. Business isn't done the same way in Latam as it is in New Zealand, and you just have to be aware of what the local conditions are. Being in Latin America is just as much about business in the evening over a steak as it is in the office. Being with them, their families and their friends is very important to them. You need to take the time to do that. Working in Latam, you have to have different expectations about the timing of things. There's no doubt that they're interested in your product, but they have a different timeline of when they'll communicate and when they'll get back to you. It doesn't mean they don't like you or like the product, but they work in their own time frame. Don't get despondent. You just have to keep working. Relationships will build and the work will come. Josh Wheeler. I suppose the key thing is that you need to build their trust. They've got to have confidence in what you're doing and what you're delivering will help them. I mean, you can't go in there and say, this is what we've got, this will fix your problems, this will make things better, this is a better product, this is a better service than what you've got currently, because they're quite proud people. 
Brazilians are entertaining, they're fun, they're a good laugh. Um, they're always challenging you with their ideas and their, their learnings. And once you get to know them, they're extremely loyal. So working with people in Brazil, they're very similar to us in, in New Zealand. They're um, pretty laid back, easy going, and they like to enjoy themselves. So it's a good place to go, good place to visit, and you always have a good time. Sounds like a lot of fun. But what about the language barrier? How do you overcome that? There are language barriers in Brazil. At a management level, you get a lot of Brazilians that can speak English. But when you're dealing at a farm level, everyone speaks Portuguese. We've overcome this by employing local people. Predominantly, we've been employing people that have done work experience in New Zealand. So they understand New Zealand, they understand our culture, and they can speak English. And this has helped us grow our business in Brazil and made it very easy for us to communicate the message. Given the nature of their business, Rascal and Friends took a slightly different approach. Rascal and Friends is a social and digital led marketing brand and that's a huge part of our strategy as a whole and we believe in reaching customers using platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube where parents are increasingly spending their time when shopping for baby products. We make the content here in New Zealand being social videos, posts, influencer assets and then we work with our local community manager to adapt it for Mexico. Having people on the ground is super important. Uh, we talk to them regularly and it means that we can run a global business from here in Auckland. Engagement in Mexico is insane. I, they are easily our most engaged market in the world over launch. It was a good problem to have but we could barely keep up. I would ensure you have a really trusted local member on the ground who understands the culture and what your consumer is looking for in a product. Gary Stannard from Maxi Loader agrees. Having someone locally on the ground is really important. Often at a meeting or meeting with customers, it's what's not said rather than what is said. And you can only understand that if you're local, you know the culture and you know the people in the language. I think depending on your product, but for us generally, we have an installation part of our process. So we need to have someone local. If you're going to have a mechanical system, what happens when it breaks down? What happens when you need a spare part? What happens when you want to know something? So we need to have someone local and we have a local Chilean team that is part of our organisation now. And they've proved to be a great bridge between us and the local client from day to day. One of the interesting areas that we've really put a lot of effort into is making the customer self-sustainable. So the value is in the product, but we help them to install it. So we have training, manuals, maintenance and installation, which they can do themselves. We have all the material in Spanish, written PDF and video and animations. This gives us a really strong connection in the market and is a really strong selling point when we're first presenting to customers. They really appreciate it and like it. It also means that they don't feel that they're beholding to a company 10,000 kilometres away, that they actually are in charge of their destiny once they have the product in hand. So having people on the ground in Latin America is important, but with their business model, Fingermark took things a step further. First, actively recruiting people from the region to work here in New Zealand and then setting up an office with local staff in Brazil. Luke Irving again. It was really just a coincidence. You know, we'd been trialling other markets for, to try and find you know, resource, development resource. And Brazil, to be perfectly honest, wasn't really on our radar until got an uh, email from a guy wanting to move out here with the background in, in our technology set. Uh, within six months, he had uh, joined us and uh, he was with us for six years. Uh, and then with that, he had a black book of developers, which we started onboarding, initially bringing them out to New Zealand. By the time we'd seen the first developers come through, we'd realised we'd struck a gold mine. Uh, the developers, uh, it's, it's a lot of it's to do with culture. So uh, with a lot of uh, outsourced uh, development, you've, you, you struggle with, with the cultural differences. 
Uh, with Brazil, uh, you know, they're very similar to who we are. They love sport, they love red meat, they love uh, dancing, good times. You know, they're very, there's a lot of uh, Kiwi elements to, to who they are. Um, so they fit in very quickly. They obviously love the beach. So when, you know, bringing them out, certainly initially bringing them out to New Zealand, they were coming to a place which they could embrace very quickly. And that, that was a huge help. But they're also very um, well-educated, highly skilled uh, talent. So it seems there's a good fit between Kiwi and Latin American culture. But what exactly are those parallels and what do they think of New Zealand? I think that depends country to country. Uh, I think if you look at Chile, for example, they are a lot more receptive. They know New Zealand a lot better. If you look towards Mexico, they were probably less informed on who we are and uh, I guess New Zealand as a country. People in Latin America think New Zealand is safe, you know, trustworthy, uh, innovative, so our, our innovative spirit is certainly uh, not lost on them. Modern, cosmopolitan and green as well. So, you know, you, you think of Brazil has a massive environmental challenge. So they're very aware of that. And I think they see us as a, as a bit of a beacon. We've found dealing with uh, retailers and buyers to be probably slower than some other countries. We've found them still to be very open to uh, the brand, the way we want to disrupt the category and just in general doing with business with kind of offshore and particularly New Zealand people. What do Brazilians think of New Zealanders? They think we're well-traveled, they think we're well-educated, they think we're a country that comes up with new ideas, they think we're a country that's also exciting and the people are outgoing. And in terms of business, Brazilians think we're great to do business with. So in Brazil, uh, New Zealand is well-regarded in the dairy industry and they're always asking what would New Zealand do in this case to solve this problem? The Chilean people in particular are very connected to New Zealand. Actually, we're surprised at how much they know about New Zealand. They kind of see us as a model for them to look to. I think we're kind of a similar size. We have similar geography. In many ways, they see us as being maybe a model uh, that they can aspire to. And they actually will look quite informed about New Zealand. They're smart, they're well-educated, they're experts in the area that they've chosen to work with. And when you get them on your side and you collaborate with them, it's possible to do amazing things. I suppose the three things that make it easier to do business in Brazil than the likes of Australia is that they're not so hard-nosed, they're um, more open to new ideas, and they're more trusting once you've built a relationship. In Latin America, New Zealand is very well recognised mainly by two things. Number one is the level of innovation, and number two, uh, the excellent way that the COVID was managed. And there it is, the dreaded C word. I guess we always knew COVID was going to feature heavily in any discussion on recent global business. But how did it affect our businesses in particular? And were there any silver linings? The answers may surprise you. We'll let Josh Wheeler from QCONS go first. Uh, the first two weeks was chaos, uh, but then they realised they probably couldn't lock, lock down the Brazilian economy or the people. People had to work. So with COVID, uh, New Zealand shut down first, so we'd learnt a lot of uh, how we had to operate it under COVID initially, and we took those learnings straight into Brazil, which allowed us to adapt our business pretty quickly. We innovated by going online with some of our audits, but it also created opportunities. We had uh, the opportunity to develop a training or e-learning system that we've got in New Zealand. We're able to deliver that to Brazilian farmers and create an e-learning package. Since you know we've been living with COVID, our businesses have still been able to maintain their profitability, and the likes of our milk bar business, our product sales have just taken off because the milk price has gone so strong as more people are buying from supermarkets and you know, buying dairy products. 
George Chavez from Awood. In the food and beverage industry, we've found out that customers are more motivated to transform their bulk material handling processes after COVID. And the reason is because uh, they want to comply with the social distancing, so they, they need to depend less on the um, labor. And on the other hand, there is a permanent uh, concern about their product contamination. The solution that we provide to our customers is, requires no interaction between human beings on the product. It's a closed system. And through this technology, they can comply with the social distancing and eliminate the risk of product contamination. So as a result of this, the demand for products and solutions have been increased in the food and beverage industry. Rascal and friends. It made it a very interesting time to launch a brand, trying to speak to a new customer during a global pandemic, which is stressful for them and their family, was something that we'd never experienced before from a marketing perspective. But ultimately, more people were sitting at home on their phones and it gave us a bigger opportunity to reach them. So COVID, I think, has been a net positive for us, uh, very disruptive from a supply chain and raw materials standpoint. But then it's also been a really big opportunity for us in terms of um, there has been, you know, rushes on the supermarket to buy product and uh, being a direct import model, then it allowed us to have a lot of stock and, and then kind of forced people to try the brand. And so after COVID, we found a, a large uptick of, of new customers that have been buying the brand because we were the last one on shelf. Gary Stannard from Maxi Loader. COVID accelerated new ideas, so we had a new products in the e-commerce line. Before COVID, e-commerce was only 1% or 2% of the total market for moving retail goods in Latam. Now it's tripled. Uh, but that requires a transport and logistics backbone and infrastructure that doesn't exist at the moment. So we've managed to put a product into market, which has proved really valuable to them. And we're making some great entry points into some big retailers based around e-commerce. And lastly, Luke Irving from Fingermark. How badly did COVID hit them? Uh, listen, it was pretty bad. Basically, we, we dropped, you know, March through to August, we, we, we dropped around 70 to 80% in revenue. So uh, we had a, a pretty big um, prego overhead of 80 staff to, to carry through. Uh, it, was, it was pretty daunting, but we, we did see pretty early on in that signs that, that our industry certainly was going to recover in the, in the fast food sector. And our technology we had developed um, had pretty much been given a, a, a basically a turbo boost. And obviously, um, Brazil being a low-cost you know, resourcing market, that was a logical place to start building a bigger team. So we took advantage of it. Um, and we, we came out a way stronger organisation. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. And now that the, you know, the revenue has, is now, we, we did our biggest month in 14 years in October. You, you've just got to be a lot sharper, you know, I, th- I think on, on those calls. Like you, you don't get the feel of the room. So you've, you've got to just, I think you've got to change up the way that you communicate your products and your off opportunities. Um, and so we've gone into journey mapping. So uh, actually running through animations um, of the, the, the customer journey or the experience from the customer, and then also having different journeys, sort of animated journeys of, of what our customers or the, the restaurant owners or the mining companies would, would have. So they're clearly articulating how our product fits into their, um, into their day-to-day. I think our industry now has understood COVID, the challenges with it and how to adapt to that. So if there's other waves coming through, it doesn't affect the business as much. 
So much for COVID. But what about other, more everyday challenges that a Kiwi business faces in Latin America? The biggest hurdle we face is on the commercial side and the cost of shipping that product over there and also facing the tariffs in each country. So we are competing against domestic suppliers, which makes it commercially very tough. And so if I look at countries like Brazil or Argentina, where you've got quite high tariffs coming from China uh, versus Chile uh, or Peru, where you've got free trade agreements or very low tariffs. If I was looking at uh, going into one of the LATAM countries, I'd just make sure you do your homework in terms of uh, the commercial viability from uh, things like tariffs uh, and extra costs of warehousing and distributing the product domestically. You know, if you're going in cold, uh, then you've got to do your research, you've got to work out your, your entry, you've got to look at taxes and duties, you know, you know, bringing in hardware, for instance, into Brazil is, is almost impossible um, unless you're prepared to pay massive duties. So those, those sort of things you've got to, you know, look at up front. It's a big country and they're protective of, of their industries. So just got to be, got to be careful and, and um, make sure you're aware of all the challenges. So we learned the hard way in Brazil. I mean, we didn't understand the tax law when we bought in some products and that we had to pay tax at a federal level and then at a state level. We've learned most of the systems just for operating. So you don't have to be worried about them to start with. You'll learn how to pay those taxes as you operate. The other important thing is at a state level, there are some taxes that are negotiable depending on whether you're importing or exporting products out of that state. There's a number of things that we've found that have been really helpful in presenting our product into the market. One of them is patents. These are there to, to form a barrier against those people that take a, an interest in your product and maybe a little bit more than you'd like them to. And uh, that's most helpful. You need to take the time and expense to put those things in place along with your trademarks. Another thing that people are looking at with your agreements is they put them all in New Zealand law. And they think that you then have control over it because you understand the law, the Westminster system that we're working in. But that's actually not the case. So actually you have a legal dispute. When you're in LATAM, you need to have all your documentation directed towards the country where you're working. Then you can actually protect your products and take any commercial action that you may need to take. As mentioned already, the pace of business can be an issue too. In Brazil, things don't always go to plan. I mean, sometimes it can be chaos. I mean, we're delivering at a large scale in some of our businesses. And uh, we have to adapt and change to the challenges that we face. But there's always a way forward. It's important to remember that good things take time. It takes time to build the relationships, so our initial contacts Brazil didn't bear fruit for about four years. I think for LATAM, things have uh, moved slower than uh, other markets, just because whether it's a language um, issue or just how, that's, how they kind of operate, we have found that email responses take a lot longer just things in general take a lot longer in Mexico. They kind of move uh, at their pace and not your pace and you want answers straight away but you can't, can't get them. Yes, it takes time. Uh, build extra fat into your timelines. It's going to take longer than you expect to get your foot in the door and have productive conversations with customers. But it's worth it once you do. What about sustainability? It's important to Kiwi companies but does it figure in the decision-making process in Latin America? Contrary to what you might believe, our expert Arun Elias says yes. Sustainability is surprisingly important to LATAM businesses. The reality differs from the images of deforestation we see all too often in the media. Indigenous locals especially are very protective of their environment. Businesses too. 
Waste management and sustainable buildings are also hot topics these days. Gary Stenard agrees. Sustainability is a big part of our story. We, we have it in our branding, we have it in our, all our marketing, and we, we make sure to present that in a clear, strong way. So, for example, we will calculate the fuel savings in a truck, uh, in maybe its lifetime or over a year, and then we put that back to, say, a forest or something relevant so people can actually understand what that volume or that sort of means to them personally rather than this sort of objective thing about uh, carbon credits. I think something that the Latams really appreciate in Kiwis is the ability to be um, authentic. And that goes right through from not only us as a person personally, but through to our products. And um, we have a sustainability give back program called the Maxilator Thrive program, where we give back 5% of ourselves to the local community. It's another plus side to being Kiwi, say Rascal and friends. Being a New Zealand company has helped us a lot just uh, in terms of the network that we have overseas. The, the clean image that New Zealand has in all the countries that we deal in, from a retailer standpoint and also from the consumer, and also in terms of like the support we get at home and abroad, for, whether it be via NZTE or via Kiwis Abroad, just wanted to help Kiwis. In fact, the importance of that New Zealand support was something that really resonated across the board with all our companies. NZTE has been a great partner for us. Um, not only the uh, local office here in Auckland, but I've been able to uh, work very close with the uh, offices in uh, Chile and uh, especially in Mexico City. The success that we've had in LATAM is very much around our connection with NZTE. They've been phenomenal in actually supporting us on the ground, not only from finding customers, but doing analysis for us and providing the right expertise at the right time if they don't have it in-house. NZT are awesome. In LATAM, they did our whole trip. They set up uh, meetings with retailers across uh, Mexico, Brazil, Chile, and yeah, they've, they've just been uh, an amazing resource that New Zealanders really need to lean on more. High praise indeed, especially from people who have been there, done that. So to wrap things up, what other advice do our companies have for fellow New Zealand businesses with LATAM aspirations? Number one, have no preconceived ideas. Local knowledge is key. Know your market and do your research. Number two, understand their culture. Be prepared to be visible. You've got to get to know people. You've got to get their loyalty and get their trust. We know we can't get on a plane now. There's Zoom, there's WhatsApp. Don't forget WhatsApp. That's what the locals use. It's a great tool. Business is all about enjoyment. So it's about seeing new places and, and, and meeting new people. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what drives me and, and continues to, to keep me interested. They're great fun to work with. Um, I wish we'd been there earlier. Uh, the opportunities are massive. And um, if I was you, I'd, I'd get cracking and um, put a plan together to get into LATAM. Number three, be open to listening to local advice. Finding the right people on the ground can make or break your brand. In Latin America, it's all about trust and reputation. So building that long-term relationship is very important. Like in all business, you need to build relationships with people. You need to spend time. They're not looking for a one-time sale. They're looking for a long-term relationship. Have a long-term view. Be prepared for delays because manata is not a myth. Don't be scared off. There are huge opportunities. Be persistent and stay true to your story. Just give it a go. And make sure you have fun. We'll leave the last word to our resident expert, Arun Elias. If you're looking at Latin America as a potential market, there are three things you need to ask yourself. Firstly, what is your purpose? Why are you going there? For this, a long-term plan will always win out over a short-term gain. Secondly, what is your niche? What game are you playing? 
be clear and concise and thirdly is culture how do you fit culturally as a new zealand organization and are you willing to take steps to fit in if you can respond positively to these three questions then you put yourself in a great starting position in latin america after that the sky really is the limit This podcast has been made possible by the Latin America Centre of Asia Pacific Excellence or LATAM Cape. Backed by four of New Zealand's universities, we develop tools and programs to help New Zealanders be better prepared to engage with Latin America. You can find more resources that transform how our nation's businesses understand Latin American opportunities on our website latamcape.org.nz. Alternatively, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn to discover all the innovative ways we connect academic expertise, stakeholder know-how and industry acumen to build sustainable commercial and cultural relationships between New Zealanders and Latin Americans. Thanks for listening. Gracias y obrigado.